0: All right, welcome to uh, the Rekindling Ministries Fireside Chats. This is episode six. Uh, We've got me, Shannon. Zach. And Craig. uh, Here recording this one. So this is going to be an interesting one because this was one that I hadn't thought of a whole lot before. I have some ideas in my head, but I'm going to kind of go on the fly. I know, uh, Craig, you've already done some research on on this. Yeah, not
1: a ton. Uh, Last night, knowing that this was coming up, I just started reading some
0: verses about yeah. it. So so just um, one quick d- disclaimer, whatever, with the Fireside Chats. You know, one of our goals is to bring up different thoughts, different perspectives, and still be in unity even when we when we disagree on the stuff. And take a very casual, this is a more casual um, approach. We're not as thorough with everything, which is what the other seasons are for. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing I would say is I think this topic that we'll be discussing in this episode is a perfect example of we have an initial reaction, but then we actually come back and look at what are the core principles being addressed here, and let's make sure we understand those core principles. Before we actually address the situation itself a lot of times we address stuff on the fly and it's almost a guarantee that when you address on the fly You're gonna address it wrongly <laughs> um, So so I'm gonna bring up the topic, but then we're, we're not gonna talk on the topic first We're gonna go back to the core principles and kind of talk about that. Then we'll come back to the topic So so actually Craig I'll go ahead and have you say what the topic is since you were the one that had suggested this So um, the uh, I was
1: online and I just happened to I don't have Instagram But I saw this thing for Instagram, and it's uh, preachers and sneakers. And it was just this guy is the Instagram, and he posts pictures and the prices of mostly sneakers but some other clothing articles that pastors are wearing on stage when they're preaching and and how much these things cost. And and so then what becomes the question? Um, Should pastors be wearing things that are super – it almost looks like you're flaunting wealth
0: and money. And uh, should pastors be doing that? Yeah, because if, if you haven't seen the, that, that Instagram, the general idea is they're either making fun of or calling out the pastors who do this, right? I don't think it was started with that intent, but
1: the commenters and Let's, other pastors are definitely doing turn that. Into that. Okay.
0: All right. Mm-hmm. So I thought of, of um, four things that we need to discuss, four kind of core underlying principles. If you guys can come up with another one, let me know. One is wealth. So first, we're going to discuss, again, these are just briefly things, but briefly, uh, off the cuff, what does the Bible have to say about wealth? Then we're going to, the second thing is, what does the Bible have to say about pastors or leaders in the church and expectations? And again, not necessarily about wealth, just in general, what are the expectations? Um, The third thing then is the issue of appearances and stumbling blocks. So like Romans 14, Paul says, go ahead and eat the meat. Just don't eat the meat around those who would get... You know, upset by it, we we need to talk about that. And then the fourth one is rebuke. What does biblical rebuke look like? And we actually have a whole. If you go to season three, somewhere in the middle of the season, um, actually it was, was it its own episode or was it part of the sin? I think it's part of the sin. I, I don't. We, remember. I we went back and times, forth. Yeah. So yeah, we've discussed biblical rebuke multiple. We've done a whole like three page research of here's all the steps a biblical rebuke looks like. Um, you can go. I, th- but I think the safest one is to go to the sense study. It's like a six part sense study, and in one of those, uh, towards the end, we talk about biblical rebuke. Um, anyways, and so those are the four uh, core underlying issues that I was thinking of. Would you guys add another underlying issue?
1: I I can't think of one off the top of my head now.
2: I also can't think of one, but I did think I think the biblical rebuke was in the elephant ep- the elephant episode <sighs> yeah. of um, season three,
0: which was two thirds of the way through. Right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, all right. So maybe as we're discussing, we'll,
0: we'll realize there's another issue. So let's go through each of these four before we discuss preachers with sneakers. So the first issue is wealth. What does the Bible have to say about wealth?
1: Well, I can give you some references that Mm -hmm. I had looked up last night. I won't read the whole passages. I'll give you the parts of them. Uh, In 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 3, Paul's giving a description. Not Paul. There's a description of overseers and pastors, and one of the things brought up is overseers are to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-control, respectable, Hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, and not a lover of money. Uh, another in First
0: Timothy. And real quick, that's, these are going to be passages on that second issue of Pastor Expectations. Um, yeah, because so let, just let's wealth. Let's well,
1: this, well uh, not a lover of money. Okay, yeah, right. So that's that, where that, I was going with why I put it in wealth.
0: Okay, so that, so that one's going to overlap okay. with the two. So wealth in general, is wealth itself sinful? I, I don't believe so.
2: Because there's the passage that, and I want to say it's in Matthew, but that could be wrong, um, that um, the love of money is, is the, the, root the root of all yeah, evil. Right, and so it's money. not, a lot of times we just say money is the root of all evil, but it's the love of money. And so um, there's also passages that talk about it's hard for a rich man to enter into heaven and a lot of those things. And it's not that money is the problem with those. It's really, um, I think it. what you do with it and the I mindset behind it, it is really the issue that if you love money and that's your focus, um, that there's, I want to say it's Nicodemus. He comes to Christ and he says, what do I have to do? Get rid of everything you have. And you went away sad because yeah. he didn't want to do that. And so it's really just the mindset that you have with money. It's um, not that wealth itself is bad.
1: Here's one in Matthew six nineteen: Do not store up
2: for yourselves treasures on
0: earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So what you're going to have is some neutral passages about wealth. So for example, Abraham was very wealthy. Joseph of Arimathea was very wealthy. Um, And it doesn't say one way or the other whether it was bad or not. Um, And so those would be kind of these neutral things. Then you would have these passages that give some warnings about wealth. Mm-hmm. So don't store up the treasures would be one of those. Um, it's harder for a rich man to enter heaven would be another one. Um, those who want to get rich fall
1: into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin.
0: Is that Proverbs?
1: That's in Timothy. first in Timoth- Timothy. Okay.
0: And I feel like Proverbs would have some warnings mm-hmm. about wealth. Um, so what do you guys think it means when it says, so it warns you not to be a lover of money. What do you think specifically that means?
2: Greed or desire, that's your goal? Yeah, I think it's when wealth is taking the place of God with what you're desiring. And so if you're more focused on obtaining wealth and getting money instead of being focused on... And so it seemed that, yeah, so it's a comparison. If you are pursuing money more
0: than you're pursuing God or your walk, that becomes problematic. Yeah. Okay. Um. We also see in the in the book of Acts, the early church, those who had wealth from time to time would just sell some of their property. If, if somebody else in the church was in need, they would just sell their property um, and then, then, then give that money. So what was their attitude about the money? It wasn't as important as the people. Mm-hmm. Right. The, 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 the need was more important.
2: Yeah, and that stewardship is important. Um, right. That it's not just about that you need to actually be good stewards of the resources that you have.
0: So this leads to generosity and giving. Uh, Giving is a flat-out command, and generosity is one of those noble things that we're supposed to ascribe to. And so the idea there is that if you have wealth, you should be very quick to part from it if there's a need. Would we agree with that? Yeah. And so, notice by the way, it doesn't say. Now, this is a descriptive, not a prescriptive passage. It doesn't say that once they became a Christian, they gave away immediately everything. They actually held on to it, but they just, but they did give it away when it was needed. Now, what was the passage? One of you said about um, was it? Was it? Oh yeah, the rich man. He says, "What must? What further thing must I do?" Mm-hmm. And he and he Jesus actually says to him, "Sell everything. Get, Sell everything. So what does that tell us where Jesus tells that guy to sell everything the acts which is a prescriptive thing the acts church is descriptive but they didn't sell everything right away they actually held on to it just till needed is this like there's a one fast rule or it might actually vary from person to person
2: I think the purpose of what Christ was doing with that person is he was really meeting him where he was at and he was looking for the next work that he had to do in order to get (laughs) eternal life and Christ Quists and kind of flips the script on him and says, if you're looking for one more work that you're going to do, the work that you have to do is changing your mindset to recognize that this wealth that you have accumulated isn't the main thing. And so I think that it's because there's some people that say, oh, in that specific instance, Jesus said, yep, here's a work you can do to get into heaven, knowing that he wasn't going to do it or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that that really doesn't fit in well with the rest of the narrative of scripture, but recognizing that Jesus sees this person's heart and knows where they're at and says, you have a deeper issue going on mm-hmm. and a something that's manifested from that issue is your love of money. And so in order to demonstrate that that's not an issue anymore, that's what you would have to do. Yeah, Cause
0: what was his response?
2: He couldn't give it up.
0: He, he yeah. went away sad. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. I think, I think the big difference between the two is almost, God was showing, no, your heart is where your money is. Where in Acts, it's, I am allowing you guys to be rich because I know that you have this money to to
0: help others who need. Right. So it would seem, and and we're conjecturing a little bit here, but it would seem that if somebody, their heart is where their money is, God's probably going to call them to give it up. Where if their heart is actually service, God's going to say, keep the money. I'm I'm, going to let you retain it because I know your heart is where the service is and you'll get rid of it when needed. And and in the axe thing too, it wasn't even like
1: we're going to go into our excess savings and give you some of that. It was Mm -hmm. like we're going to sell things that are of value to us so that we can give it to you. It Mm -hmm. wasn't like we'll give you our little extra. It's we'll give you our little extra and then we'll sell some of our things and then give you that too will make extra to be exactly. able to give to you.
2: Yeah. It's sacrificial generosity is really what that is.
0: So the holding of wealth itself doesn't seem to be the problem. It's the love of that wealth and, and the stewardship or lack of stewardship of the wealth. That seems to be the problem, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's wealth. And again, there's tons we can say more. We'll, we'll lay that down. Next thing, what does the Bible have to say about uh, pastors or leaders we got a big discussion of what exactly is a pastor. We won't get on all that here. But just just lead th- those that are in, in some sort of authority or prominent leading position of a ministry or a church. Um, you, so you read the one list. Go ahead and read the next one.
1: Um, let's see if I have one on tap here. Well, this just, Titus, I don't, this one in Titus, similarly encouraged the young men to be self-controlled and everything set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, soundness of speech, that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us.
0: Okay, so we have two things here. One, don't be a lover of money. And two, you should be setting the example for what is good. Mm-hmm. What is good biblically? What's the
2: definition? Beneficial. is uh, the main one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you should be setting the example of what is beneficial to the, you know, to, and, and again, the community as a whole. Um, so just looking at those two, again, we're not gonna get to the sneaker shoe yet, but just looking at those two, it's not necessarily saying don't have wealth, definitely don't be a lover of it. Um, and and that heart thing, Mm -hmm. but also you probably should be setting the example. If you do have wealth, you should be setting the example for the church of how to use that wealth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Third issue is, oh, actually, no, let's stick with teachers, uh, leaders. How does the Bible reward pastors and leaders and teachers?
1: It uh, holds them to a higher standard. That's one of their
0: rewards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, because you know, there's the double honorarium. Yeah, because uh, what passage is that? Do you know,
2: that's a passage in the Bible that I have in my <laughs> note. It's Paul. <laughs> it's definitely in there. No, it is in there, and I have it written down. Or I, I thought I, I thought I had it. Matthew 7, 1 talks about there's nothing sinful about having money. First Timothy 5, 17 and 18, worthy of du- double honor. There you
0: go. First Timothy 5, 17.
2: So, so by the way, worthy of double honor
0: could just mean literally the honor, right? That as far as like, like those in positions of authority really should be getting honor and respect from their followers, like a double proportion. That gets in the whole submission thing we talked about earlier. Um, it could also actually refer to pay, I think.
2: Yeah, there because in the con- the reason I have that is because I have that in the context of a class that I took at Liberty on, um, be- on leadership in the church, and he was making the point that um, it is talking about financial compensation was the perspective that he had because a lot of churches um, pay too little, not too much, right. for their pastors, and um, he also made the point that poverty is not a spiritual require, or is not a scriptural requirement for a pastor that a lot of times, Mm. um, especially like going through college, I just kind of had this view of like, I'm never going to make any money. I'm like, I'm going into the ministry. I'm not going to make any money and it's, it's okay. Um, and that was, that has been the reality for a lot of different churches and ministries, but that's not, that's not a scriptural requirement. Like you don't have to be in poverty in order to be a pastor.
0: So if you combine these two where, you should be paying your pastors and leaders enough for them to live on, maybe even more than that, like in this double honorarium. But given the first thing we talked about, the, if if it is, we should, you know, definitely pay them enough to live on, not poverty. And if you do give them extra, it should be so that what?
2: They set the example. And yeah. how to steward it well. And how to steward it well. Yeah. Right. Which... I think it's also worth mentioning that doesn't necessarily mean that you give your pastor all of this extra money with the expectation that he has to give that away. Like, I think that it could be easy to say, yeah, we're going to give you however much money and you should only live on this much money. Right. And the rest is you have to give that away because that's why we're giving it to you. Cause you need to show us how to steward. Well, like it actually is legitimately saying, no, this is your compensation package. And, keep in mind the scriptural requirements. You are supposed to be the leader of how this is supposed to be. And then actually trust them with their leadership and let them be responsible to God for it.
0: Yeah. And, yeah. I agree with that. And, but in the, in the, in one of the I mean, think about, they want a pastor who actually begins selling some of his stuff to help somebody else in need. That would be freaking amazing if I saw that, but anyways, okay. So that's expectations. So now let's move to appearances and stumbling. This is a loaded issue. Um, You have Romans 14, so Paul says, listen, we're free to actually eat the meat, but if there's those of you in the church that really are just convicted by the Spirit not to eat it, don't eat it. Don't judge those who do eat it, and those of you who do eat it, don't eat it in front of those who are convicted, right? There's a a mutual respect there. So so it seems that we need to um, be conscious of if we cause our brother to stumble, that's problematic, and we shouldn't be doing that. Flip side of that, love is not irritated,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and so it seems that we should not be easily offended. Hmm. Um, we being believers, this we being episode. the believers, yeah, at large. And so, so both let's let's call it the offender and the offended. Both actually have responsibilities. The offender's responsibility is not to offend, but then the offended responsibility is not to get offended. <laughs> And if both are doing their job, everything's going to work smoothly. <laughs> right. Um, and we don't have control over other people. And their so, response, yeah. in their response. And so there is some temperance here of, because, you know, there's some people, no matter what, they're just going to get offended. That's true. Um, so so there's, there's definitely some wisdom and discernment that's mm-hmm. going to be required from situation to situation.
2: And... Um Because the passages about meat is, I want to say it's actually 1 Corinthians 8 and 10, Romans 14 is the freedom that we have in Christ with a lot of those um, different things. In the specific context of um, 1 Corinthians 8 and 10, I actually, during one of my internships, taught through that section of scripture. And a lot of times it's taught, it's, Potter understood that that's talking about don't offend the brothers, don't offend other believers, but it really does seem that the thrust of that passage is towards unbelievers, that it's not putting a stumbling block towards people that are trying to come to faith. It's those specific passages um, from the study that I did working through all of the different things, that that focus is actually on unbelievers, not on people in the church.
0: So we're conflating two issues here then. Romans 14 is the eating of meat or, no, that's 1 Corinthians. Okay. Uh, keep going. Great, great. Oh, I was just going to say, either way, if
1: it still relates to this topic with preachers, regardless of if it's Christians yeah. and yeah. non-Christians looking to come into the church, um, they're still—both are seeing it, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So it's still on on the leadership
0: of which is which. Yeah. The, the stumbling thing you're talking about might be what you're thinking of, but the actual passage of meat, whether you can eat it or not, is Romans fourteen.
2: Okay, I <laughs> yeah, I I, I do. I'm looking at it. I and it's at least also in First Corinthians because I taught yeah. it for a couple of weeks. But regardless, the I think the main idea behind that is in both of those instances, it is this conversation about. Um, what spiritual freedoms do we have, and what is our responsibility towards those who are watching the decisions that we make right in in both of those
0: yeah, first Corinthians uh, eight also talks about the food sacrificed idols, mm-hmm. but the one I know is the Romans fourteen, okay. where it's like the Romans fourteen is the one where it says don't don't judge the one who eats, yeah, but then don't eat in front of the one that's Romans fourteen right? okay yeah um so but so so how so how does this play out practically? Um, in that balance, that discernment of don't offend and don't cause someone to stumble, also know that you have no control over how they respond. And who and who we're talking about. I mean, I have I kind of have a verse mm-hmm. that may help with that, but it's not a direct answer,
1: okay. but it's uh, Colossians 3.17, and that is that in whatever you do, whether in word, deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things where Whatever you're doing, whatever decision you make or action you take, needs to be in right motivation, and needs to be aligned with Scripture and beneficial. And if you're doing that, and then the person still is upset, then it is what it is. That's on them. Yeah, that's their sin. Okay, that's good. Actually, I think that answers yeah. that. Okay, so so that's the issue of uh, appearances and and stumbling, et cetera. Um, and then the final issue is the one of rebuke. So what does the Bible have to say about biblical rebuke?
2: It has to say a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, and I think, cause I mean, honestly, I do think that it's worth going back and listening to that full discussion that we have on biblical rebuke because one of the main ideas behind it is as the person going towards whoever it is that you're rebuking, your mindset has to be in such a place of walking in step with the spirit, being drenched in love, just all of these different things that a lot of times when we approach a Buke, it's a quick reaction. And it's, mm-hmm. I saw this, I have to address it right now and go. And it doesn't end up having a lot of the results that we were looking for because we didn't take the time to make sure we were in the place we needed to be before we started the process. Yep, And so I think... Uh, and I'm sure you have more nuances to add to that, but I think overarchingly that that's one of the things that with biblical rebuke, it's just crucially important to keep in mind that you really have to be in a place of fully loving that person and walking in step with the spirit before you can start that process. So I'm also thinking, what does about have to say
0: about complaining and gossiping? Don't do it. Don't do either one. Right. <laughs> so, we know that as believers, we're not allowed to complain, and we're not allowed to gossip. And a lot of times, you, you mentioned some of the comments that are on that Instagram thing, are just complaining and gossiping, which is not right. So it seems that don't ever complain about another's decisions, and never, and don't ever gossip about another's decisions. Um, don't do those. Do address it, engage it, slash rebuke it, right? But to, to address it or engage it, well, first of all, to rebuke it, tons of qualifications. Mm-hmm. You need to be of the right mindset and heart set. You need to have a relationship with that person already, et cetera. Some of these individuals are people that we're never going to meet, so we, we're not in a place to actually rebuke them. So what we have is it would seem that given that situation, because they're distant from us, we really can't rebuke. Neither can we complain or gossip. We can address it. And so what would it look like to address it without complaining or gossiping? This could be on any topic. What's the difference between addressing and complaining gossiping? What would you say?
2: I feel like my tendency to draw that line would be rationalizing, gossiping, or complaining. Like, just for me personally, like, I don't know what I could actually do to address something and it not be that. Just because my tendency will be to... No, I was within the line of whatever it is supposed to be. Do you think it's possible? I I don't want to just say no, because I do think that there are probably instances and ways to have that sort of thing Mm -hmm. that wouldn't be complaining and gossiping
0: right because aren't we addressing it right now
2: yeah in a way yeah we are
1: in a way yeah and and someone might see this as a gossip and someone might see this
2: as complaining but look at the way that we've been addressing right so far yes we also we haven't named any names and we haven't actually named specific circumstances so now we're now we're getting specifics here it seems that to address it can be done Mm-hmm. it's super,
0: super easy to begin to address and then move into complaining yeah. and gossiping. But it seems like we can't. So now we want to – would you agree that you can address? Yeah. 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 So where's the line? So one would be to mention specific names. It, that, that would seem to be you're starting to cross over from addressing into gossiping. Um, uh, some negative, and so, by the way, when we talked about your heart set and mindset seem to be key and what you do with the wealth, it's the same thing here. What's the heart set and mindset behind why you're addressing it? Um, if it's so that you can say, I don't do that. Therefore I'm a better person. Now we're moving into bad territory, mm-hmm. right? Um, if it's to belittle or demean somebody, we're moving into bad territory, right? So as we go through the rest of this discussion, Let's think about and make sure are, are, we, are we complaining or gossiping here or are we just addressing, right? Uh, what are your thoughts on that so far? I'm ready to complain and gossip. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, like, it's interesting then that you have, let, 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 to kind of recap here, almost like three levels. The bottom level is complaining and gossiping and bad-mouthing and attacking, et cetera. All that's off limits. The middle level would be addressing and then the top level would be rebuke. And rebuke is so highly qualified that we're not, the three of us aren't in a place to rebuke. Yeah, that
1: and we like. don't know anybody that's, that's on it. this yeah.
0: Instagram, so we're not in a place to, to, to rebuke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so all we're doing right now is we really, we really are trying to address the issue of pastors with wealth and what that should or shouldn't potentially look like, right? So I think we're taking a good approach on that. All right, so we've addressed these four underlying kind of core principles here. Now let's get into um, the issue at hand. And again, because we want to make make sure we're not gossiping, we don't want to talk about specific pastors, but just this idea of pastors with wealth, which actually we've already addressed. So we're specifically addressing what pastors do with their wealth. Yeah, the displaying of it. The displaying of the wealth. So let's get into the discussion now. So, Craig, we'll, we'll start with you. And what is the
1: lead into this that you want to <laughs> go with? What do you mean? Like, what are my thoughts
0: on that? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, what yeah, What are your thoughts on sp- leaders sp- displaying wealth?
1: We'll go specifically with this Instagram since that's what the topic was brought up on. And I guess um, my view on it is I I don't see it personally as good stewardship. Mm-hmm. Um. Mostly because I almost see it as flaunting, even, even if the pastors themselves are not meaning it to be in a flaunting manner. Um, there are many churches with large congregations, and within these congregations are many members that struggle to pay bills, put food on the table, keep their car running. And um, I't I could see it being a stumbling block for them to see, you know, pastors and leaders in the church who are wearing these things or or driving these things or living in these places and their needs are not being addressed within the church um and that so that goes just for the members of the church the other one would be outsiders looking in and you you know the outsiders looking in see the congregations and the other people within the church and then they see you know the pastors and and what they're wearing and what they're owning and um it may not be the fact that the pastor is preaching at this church because they know they can make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But somebody, people on the outside looking in might see it as, Oh, this person is doing this because it's bringing them wealth. And it may, it could make, um, it could make the faith look like, look bad, look mm-hmm. fake. Um, why would I want to be a part of that? They're mm-hmm. just taking my money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's a very, I think it's a line that needs to be drawn very carefully. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that pastors should come in, in, beat-up sweatpants, holes in their shirts, uh, driving a car that may or may not make it. Um, I'm just saying that uh, appearance can be a
0: lot for a lot of people. So we're getting into degrees and thresholds, and everyone's got different mile markers on what their threshold is. Um, I like the idea to to, you said to kind of clarify. So there might be some out there that absolutely – intentionally are trying to flaunt it. And I think everybody would agree that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Then there's some that maybe intentionally aren't, but like subconsciously enjoy a little bit of the displaying of their wealth. They're doing it more subconsciously, still not a good thing. Then there'd be others that literally there's not an, there's not an ounce of any sort of conscious or subconscious flaunting going on. They're just not being cognizant of how others might be receiving it.
2: Right, right. okay. So I like that. And, and there's probably even another level of um, it could even be a pastor was given whatever that thing is as a gift. And it could be that they are wearing or driving or whatever as, appreci- as a demonstration of appreciation for a gift they've been given. Like I know of a specific pastor who um, a member of their church owned a very large, very expensive car dealership with all sorts of exotic cars i don't know this pastor personally but i know someone who does and um the person became a believer started coming to the church and said anytime you would like to drive one of the cars off my lot you're more than welcome to have Mm -hmm. it for a week a month whatever like just come down any car that you want Mm -hmm. and so he can go down he can drive a mercedes a bmw i mean name the expensive car he can just drive it and he very well could just drive that car to demonstrate the appreciation of this person that's being generous towards him. And it's easy to look at that scenario and say, man, he has a different sports car every week. Mm -hmm. And what it is is he's actually showing this wealthy individual that I appreciate your generosity. And so I I think my point with that is just, it's really easy to assign motivation to things, but it's so much harder to see the nuances of what's going on without at least asking the question of, what's going on and in that specific situation
1: for an outsider looking in I could see them thinking negatively of that but if it's your pastor and you know your pastor and you see where he lives and you know what you know mm-hmm. you know what the church is paying him um, you would come to know probably pretty quickly that someone in the church is allowing them to do this and that this is a gift that they are are using.
0: Yeah. So so you'd be okay with that scenario? Yes, I would. What should the pastor do in that scenario? Communicate that? Especially to his congregation, maybe.
1: If now, he's aware that it's
0: causing a problem. And I'm not saying that, his, the, his that the, the pastor should be saying, this person mm-hmm. has donated it to me. Um, because that person may not want to be known for the donation they get, yeah. right? But the idea should be they should communicate, hey guys, just so everybody knows. You know, and by the way you should have your pulse or your finger on the pulse of the church. So you should mm-hmm. know if, if, if people are upset or not. Um, and then let people know, Hey, by the way, this is, you know, somebody has, as a gift allows me to, to, to borrow these. For and the and I do know of a pastor when I was at Liberty who had, had that a BMW SUV
1: and he was giving a sermon. He did say, I, we didn't buy this thing. It was given to us. Mm-hmm. So in those scenarios. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, that
2: seems okay. and, and- there's a piece of me that wonders how much communication is actually needed because it's very possible that the people that attend that church have no issue they all have a BMW like it doesn't that's not a big deal to them and the people that don't have a BMW don't care because they just that's not an issue to them but it's an issue for someone living in a different part of the country that looks at that more wealthy part of the country and says well why why does he have that and so I I don't think in that scenario that the pastor has to get up before his com congregation and say, guys, I have a different BMW every week. It's okay. John gave it to me, or whatever. Right. Um, and I don't think that he's even necessarily required to put on social media. For those that don't attend my church that have been wondering why I drive a different BMW every day, it's because it was a gift. Right. I, I think a lot of times we can read into scenarios and get offended by things that we see when really it's just, it doesn't have to be our concern.
0: Now, uh, And realistically, you're not going to have a church where everyone has a BMW, sure. And and there are those that don't have a BMW and don't care, but there are going to be those in your church that don't have a BMW and it does bother them. Shouldn't the pastor be proactive with that?
2: I I think if it's not if it hasn't if it's not an issue in that church, he doesn't have to address it not an issue. But how, I think do, but that how if, do you
0: know if it's not an issue or not?
2: By having interactions with people and so i think that if like uh if it's a church that has a bunch of small groups and some small group leaders have just been like man some people have really been saying that pastor whoever like Mm -hmm. this is kind of an issue for them then maybe the pastor goes and talks to those people i i just don't think it has to he's mandated to have a stage a stage announcement describing the scenario i think that having it be a much more individual basis would be more appropriate so realistically
0: speaking is somebody in the church gonna be upset or bothered by this?
1: Most likely.
0: Yes. Yeah. Realistically speaking, yes. That would be the assumption that there's at least one person, if not more, that are bothered by this. That would be the smarter assumption. Not that no one's gonna care. And so I understand like the mandate language. Do you think it's wise for that pastor to address it? I, I think that it could be wise in specific scenarios. But I Yeah, I think in most and, scenarios.
1: Yeah, and remember the scenario that we happen to be discussing in this moment is not the scenario of this Instagram. Yeah, this is like the fringe scenario of a gifted luxury item.
0: Right. So, so the idea there is, if if it if it's if it's a gifted thing, um, we would all agree that's not a problem. They were gifted that. Craig and I would say the pastor. It's what not necessarily mandated but definitely wise to be proactive and address that because odds are it's gonna be a problem um, and that, that's what we'd say on that but that but that is like this it's very rare uh, yeah. gifted so let's get specifically into the pastors who actually have a tremendous income and we can break that down between paid by the church or book sales etc because um, that gets factors and nuances there um, but what about those scenarios how do you feel? I I mean I I feel that
1: I feel that it should be should be watched. I feel like that's a thing that the pastor should definitely be addressing and I think it should be something that he's definitely not flaunting. Well yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. yeah. So like for ex- this particular Instagram has to do with clothing, mostly shoes. And so
0: define flaunting, by the way.
1: Um, walking around on stage in items that are worth more than people's cars that are driving to the church
0: See, for me, flaunting is you're purposely wanting people to know
1: And it could be unintentional, but to the person sitting in the pew or in the chair, mm-hmm. they might see it as flaunting
0: Yeah, but I don't think the pastor flaunting it is wrong Oh, for sure but there might be pastors who aren't flaunting that's it. That's true. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, and I think that's a lot of the point that I'm trying to make, that it it's really easy to assign motivation, that that pastor is driving that car, is wearing those shoes because he's trying to show that he has wealth, when it's just more complicated than that.
0: Yeah, and I agree that the masses are going to throw all kinds of assumptions down. But I still think the pastor doesn't have to say, well, that's on them. They should think it. I think the pastor should know I have, I have a big house mm-hmm. or I have a nice car that I bought or several nice cars uh, or I have these really expensive clothes that most of my congregation doesn't. Um, to me, a very wise pastor is going to recognize that and address it. And, and above
1: recognition and addressing, just based on reading of what the role of the pastor is and and their stewardship, um, it would just it would in in the ideal world in the Acts church seems like the pastor should be checking on the needs of his congregation first, mm-hmm. and if he is living so high above the majority of the people in the congregation and there are serious needs, I would say in my opinion it is outright wrong.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here's, we need to wrap up here in a minute. So here's my thoughts on it all. Um, because the pastor is supposed to be setting the example of stewardship, if a pastor has a lot of money and is very free with that money in, in giving away when needed because they know their congregation um, and they are just a perfect example of like the Acts 2 type thing, um, then I have no problem with them having the money because they're great stewards and they're great examples. And if, in that great example, he happens to have nice clothes, I'm okay with him having the nice clothes um, because I see how generous he is overall. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So that that's, I think, Craig, you got part on the same page, that I'm coming from that direction of if all these other things are happening first, that I'm actually okay with it. Um, but if, and also I think threshold and threshold becomes a can of worms. Um, if, for example, let's say they've got... Uh, an average house and an average car and really nice clothes. Okay, fine. Um, or they've got, uh, uh, a really nice car, but then everything else is kind of average. Okay, fine. But when I start seeing somebody who has the huge mansion and the nice clothes and the nice car, and there's people in need in their congregation, then I absolutely have a problem with
2: that. Yeah. Yeah. And I would definitely agree with all of the things that you just said there. Um, yeah, I just really think that it's really easy to look at specific individuals and say, "Yeah, they're not doing that right," yeah. and it's just hard to know if they actually are also caring for their congregation and the least of those in their congregation and all those things. An Instagram post with a picture of their shoes isn't saying any of a yeah. full story. Yeah, and,
0: and I don't think that we're actually disagreeing on anything. I think you're focused on the people assuming things and reading intentions. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we shouldn't be doing that. And I think Craig and I are more focused on those pastors who are actually doing those things. Right. Um, and so, so I, I don't see this as a, as a, 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 disagreement. I think that we're focused on,
2: on doing yeah. things
0: with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyways, um, that's our thoughts on, on that topic and, you know, multifactored, et cetera. Any other, any last thing you'd want to say? On no, that? I think that was a good yeah, wrap up. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that. Um, so hopefully you got some application from that. And, uh, and we'll stop there and we'll see you for the next Fireside Chat.
1: All right.